Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of SG Explained. My name is Elliot and I just took Rovik's opener. Rovik, how are you I doing, man? I realized it as you said it. I was like, isn't that my opening statement, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> I had to try it to see how good it felt. And I must say, it feels really good. That That is a very optimistic and powerful opener. I've been good. Uh, I went for a very emotionally intense training course this past week where I learned how to have powerful conversations. I like to feel that. I like to feel that. Hey, you know what I did this week? I actually went down to Tang's to go and check really? out this. Yeah. I, I actually went there for a bit, walk around, uh, soak in a bit of the architecture and also see if there's any sales because I'm actually buying some homeware at the moment. Did you buy any curios? I did not buy any curios. Uh, I went I went to buy a knife set and a, and a new chopping board for home, but that was about it. I'm actually referencing last week's episode of Tanks. If you guys want to find out more about culture, the history, the man behind, please go check out our previous episode. This episode instead... We're going to be focusing on something a bit on the fringy side. You know, I actually love these kind of topics, things that we don't get to talk that much about in Singapore. I have a couple of them on my arm. We're going to be talking about tattoos. Rovik, how much do you know about tattoos? Just like the esports episode, Elliot, I am coming in without any knowledge on the topic. Uh, I'm just here to learn. You don't have any tattoos? I have no tattoos. I've thought about it. I think it's, it's a question everyone should ask themselves, but I've just decided that there are other ways that you know, I want to express myself. Whenever people do tell me about their tattoos, I always ask if I can look at them. Uh, sometimes they are in places that cannot be looked at uh, or should not be looked at. But for the most <laughs> part, you know, I do enjoy looking at the tattoos that people have. I'll tell you the stories behind them. Uh, speaking of stories, we actually have a a guest joining us today. Uh, her name is Beverly Ann Cole. She is a Singaporean tattoo artist who specializes mainly in flora and fauna work. And, uh, you know, she works out of a private studio. If you guys are interested, you can follow her on Instagram at bev.bot. That's B-E-V dot B-O-T. Hey, Bev. Hi. Hi, Bev. Hi, Bev. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bev, i uh, love to hear from you. Uh, how, how do you get into this industry? So I've always been in the arts. Like I studied art and like I knew that my career was always going to be in the creative area. I always wanted to just do things that would make me money. <laughs> So I went into like a more stable career after studying um, media arts. So I went into advertising. So I was like a graphic designer for uh, three years. And I really hated it because I was just stuck at a desk looking at the computer. I wasn't even physically drawing anymore, which is what really sucked my soul away. So I knew that the next step for me was to just do something a bit more creative where I can use my hands and actually call myself an artist again. Tattooing came into my life when like all my female colleagues in the office of my advertising agency started getting tattoos and they all like just started rolling in with like bandages on their arms or like wherever. And I was just like, oh, did you get hurt? Like what happened? And they'd be like, oh no, I got a tattoo. How sick is that? And I'd be like, it is sick. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know like, Sorry, can I cuss? <laughs> now I just have to put an explicit logo on my podcast. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. So the girls started coming in with tattoos and I was just like very inspired because the styles on their bodies were like not the traditional sort of oriental or like gang tattoos, I guess, like old American style or oriental. That's basically what I thought of tattoos before I knew about tattoos. And it was like more illustrative styles. So I was like, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. So I went with my friend to go get his first tattoo just to fill out the place. I get I didn't want to get my tattoo yet, so I was just like, oh, I'm just going to see the studio environment and see what it's like. 
And I went in and it was very intimidating because all the tattoos are just like decked out to their necks and tattoos and their hands and they just look very like angry all the time. And I was just like, oh shit, maybe I can't do this. <laughs> it's like, I don't have that kind of personality. Once they open their mouth, they start discussing the artwork with you. They get so passionate and they're so friendly because it's like, you are their canvas and you're sort of sharing your artwork, their artwork with them as well. It's not just your piece, it's their piece as well. So they're very serious and like I was quite surprised at how like serious this like tattoo is. So I was like talking to my friend about his piece. And I was just like, wow, they're very passionate. Like I forgot what that was like as an artist. So I was like, oh shit, I think I really want to do this now. Yeah. So I got my first few tattoos and then I tried to inquire and like get my apprenticeship and I did. Woo. Wow, that's a, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> Art into graphic design. And then you never have a tattoo until until much, much later. Yeah, in my mind, I always imagine tattoo artists as people who have too many tattoos on themselves and they're like, okay, I guess I should just be a tattoo artist now. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing else they can do already. <laughs> when you try and apply for an apprenticeship, they also, the first thing they see is you, right? And like, that's their first impression. And like, I, it didn't go very well for the first two places I applied at. Yeah, because like, they just thought, who's this like, no, who knows nothing about tattoos? Like, she doesn't even know like, the pain and grit that goes with tattoos. So like it didn't go well because I only applied maybe like four years ago. Like the industry then already was very like digitalized. So you can like apply like any other job. You send your CV online. But in this case, it's like a portfolio. They just want to see what you can do. So I emailed a bunch of places. And I think that's what got me the job like pretty easily because like of the email system. Last time, um, I think maybe like 10 years ago, that you would have to physically walk down with your portfolio in your hand and like knock on doors and like beg them to take you. But now it's like everything's online. So it's uh, it's not bad. <laughs> like how many shops are there in Singapore, I guess, that are like established or, you know, they take on apprentices, I guess. There's a lot of studios now that are like just one man shows. So I can't really have a physical number. But like established studios with like maybe more than five artists, I think there's like, maybe like a dozen that are well established in Singapore. Yeah. Tattooists are like, most of the time, the stereotype always the people I've met, they're like very, they're like true artists. They're not really businessmen. Like very few of them have actually like studied business or like know how to start like a, like a studio. So it's very hard for us (laughs) to like wrap our head around like starting our own studio. So I guess that's why it's like, there's so still so few of us because the ones starting the studio, they're, they've been de- like maybe tattooing for like 20 years. You know? They like know the market very well, if you know the business. I think tattooing now is like pretty mainstream, but that's just from my personal experience with uh, my demographic of clients. Now, I don't think people think much about it. It's kind of like the way they book an appointment to get a tattoo is like treating themselves to like a facial, like a spa. Pre-COVID, right? I was at a party and they had a tattoo artist on spot for anyone who wanted to just have a tattoo made. Uh, and I was like, people are just going to walk in, get a, get a few drinks and decide that they want a tattoo. Like, what's going to happen here? A lot of people did it. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? Uh, flashes, right? Like, it means you. it's just like a pre, 
you know, there's a preset amount of things that you can just like... Yeah, pre-drawn, yeah. And now that we've met Bev a little bit, I think today, uh, in as you explained, right, in all uh, traditional fashion, uh, we want to explore something about tattoos. So uh, we're going to dive a little bit into the history of tattoos, uh, some of the ways it's evolved, but I wanted to explore the notion of just how progressive are we uh, in not just a local but global context. So uh, history-wise, I think this is one of Rovik's... Uh, favorite bits. Maybe you could take us through what are some of the origins of tattoo culture in Singapore. Absolutely. Thanks, Elliot, for doing the research for this. So for the large part of Singapore's historical narrative, the concept of tattoo culture has invariably been identified with criminality. In fact, the Japanese occupation might be seen as the occurrence that established the origins of the unsympathetic attitude towards individuals with tattoos. Operation Sukching saw the Japanese Kampatai screening individuals, but according to a number of written and oral accounts found in the National Archives, the screen process was disorganized and unsystematic. Whether or not someone was decided as anti-Japanese was solely based on the whims of the screening officer, and one such metric was whether or not the individual had tattoos, and thus linked to the triads or anti-Japanese syndicates. No surprise, but this mentality persisted through most of the 50s through 80s as tattoos continued to garner the scrutiny of the police as they were mostly linked to secret societies. Each society discerned themselves largely by tattoos spotted on their bodies. I find this super interesting, Elliot, because there is a, a Chinese Asia episode coming up where SG explained is a big part of that episode. And we actually look at secret societies in a bit more detail. We don't want to give away too much, but we do look at tattoos and some of these symbols as well. Yeah, and I thought was so interesting for us to kind of like compare when we did the episode when we filmed uh, for that Channel News Asia thing obviously no spoilers right now I didn't think that that might have been some of the original culture right of where tattoos in Singapore uh, began like prior to that there isn't any uh, recorded evidence of you know like tattoo shops maybe there were probably there were probably people who are tattoo artists but whether or not we can say it's an industry or a business sector that was never really the case so Fun, fun stuff. I actually, you know, went online, I went to dig the archives, and I found this article dated 1958, right? And it had a bunch of insignias, okay? <laughs> you'll, you'll love the title of the article. The, the title is Tattoo Crazy? Secret Society Signs May Put You in Trouble. And the whole state news perspective on this was nuts, okay? I'll read the like, first few lines of the article. Like all terror organizations throughout the world, Singapore secret societies have the symbols. Heaven help you if you pick a sign used by any of these societies. Very alarmist in nature. Uh, the words that they use throughout the rest of the article, I would say it's very targeted and extremely uh, scrutinizing. It, it goes on to list like these six major symbols for the big gangs during its time. So, And I, I think we all kind of recognize them as perhaps, you know, very gang-related. Uh, they had the dragons, tigers, eagles, snakes. Uh, the one that I found interesting was the red Indian profiles. All these symbols, like the dragons, tiger, eagle, snakes, right? It's like quite common now, but it's not gang-related, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, like I've tattooed them on people. And What have you been actually tattooing secret society members, Beth? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, right, like gang members would want like matching tattoos and I try not to do repeats. So I guess I haven't built up. If it's a gang, it's a gang of one. Like person, <laughs> I don't think I've tattooed like a whole gang. Yeah, and they usually like to stick with the same artist just so they get the same style. So 
don't think I've tattooed like a bunch of like pankyas, you know. So even in your own experience, you have a lot of like repeat customers who want like multiple pieces across their body? Across, yeah. It's more, I don't know whether it's like a comfort thing for them because they know me already and they just feel safer to be like vulnerable around me. The ones that tell me that they want like a sort of homogenous style to complete a sleeve, those are the, I guess, the repeat clients. During my research, I found that there was an all-female gang. So this is like, you know, also in like the 50s. Uh, they had this red butterfly symbol and they were known as Ang Ho Tiap. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. I'm really bad with dialect. I think it's correct. <laughs> yeah. And and the gang was mostly made of girls in their teens to mid-twenties. Uh, they were known by many then as the gang wearing like tight-fitting black clothes. And that their violence was very notorious, apparently, from using belts to sharp objects. Their method of inflicting injury wasn't just like random hits, right? But they had a plan uh, and they will focus on disfiguring others. So... Yeah, would, I would not mess with them. Uh. I would not mess with them at all. Uh, people who refused to pay them protection money or girls who even refused to join them were often their targets and many members were women who had lost hope in men and sought to get an identity in the gang. So, who knew? Uh, re- butterflies are a very common tattoo that I see these days. Now I'm thinking about it, right? I have tattooed. Like, butterflies look the same sometimes like the ones that people want they usually want the typical sort of like jpeg of the the butterfly and there's not much artistic value you can put in sometimes and i feel like it's like yeah, the monarch have... butterfly right it's yeah, like those yeah. monarch butterfly wings yeah yeah, yeah the, the orange one right yeah and they usually want it black and gray and i think like now that i'm thinking about it now i have done many of those so maybe those are the gang tattoos that i've done <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Yeah, how oh, many no. girls have I tattooed? Probably not. What are like, the evolving trends in Singapore when it comes to to like tattoos? Have you seen like a change of style? Even in the past like four years alone, I'm sure there must be uh, differences from then and now. Actually, the way that they did tattoos then and now also would be different, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think machines have been around for like a good like 50 years already, so it's nothing new. Hand poking is very like old like culturally so like maybe hundreds of years ago like all those tribes have been like doing it and japanese yakuza as well they were still like hand poking but now it's like mostly all machine work so the style influence i guess is just sort of pieces of work the designs are getting more detailed because we are able to like move faster now with the machines yeah but i think in the last like five years or so it's been very like graphical this the art style because we take a lot of influence from like uh the korean artists so there's all these like i think singaporeans are very heavily influ- uh, influenced by koreans like south korea like in terms of like music or food or uh, drama and all that crap right <laughs> yeah but like art style um like even when i was in college already like uh LaSalle, like art school like the koreans were like very strong in like their own art styles and they're, they're all a lot of good artists like very talented artists come out of korea so i think in the when i got into tattooing i realized they like our industry is very heavily like influenced by like korean artists as well their style of work isn't meant to last very long as tattoos like they hardly do like the old style kind of tattoos where it's like thick heavy bold lines and like saturated colors oriental or like old american they do their own style of work now which is like hyper realism but in like the like a one dollar size coin size wait tattoos can expire i want to say it's almost like a temporary tattoo because 
to do that kind of like miniature sort of works, you need to use very thin, small needles. And like, uh, you can't go too deep into the skin as well. So it's very like surface level. And eventually like the ink sort of gets like pushed out of the body and like it, it looks very faded or like it gets blurred into like a, like you can't even see what it was before anymore. Oh, because I don't know much about tattoos, right? You said old American, Oriental, and then you also said hyperrealism. Could you share like what are some of these examples? So red Indian profiles and like even like um those pen black panthers like the back view of the panther crawling up and all those are very like old american style sailor tattoos yeah so thick boat lines and everything sort of looks as is sort of drawn in the same style like roses as well were drawn in the same style what old american style is like generally like these few themes like a head like maybe like 10 different themes and that's it and they just keep doing the same thing now the industry is quite different they call it like neo-trad now which is like neo-traditional and like neo-traditional is like newer themes but drawn in like the old style it's meant to be like a from far away you can recognize that symbol and what is like an example of a hyper-realism tattoo if you want like a portrait of like your grandmother and you give it to like a realism artist they can like literally photocopy that thing onto your skin i mean it's been around for like maybe like I don't know, the last 20 years and like people are getting so good at it. But the Koreans have sort of like brought it to the next level by shrinking the size of it, <laughs> like doing it at like impossible sizes, like maybe like palm size for like, I mean, it's like definitely like a show of like great level of like artistic skill, but like in terms of tattoos and what it means to get a tattoo is, um, I think in like tattoos are supposed to last on your body and like, look good like 10 years from now you want to take it to your grave so i don't really agree i, I just google hyper realism tattoos right and rovik is insane the kind of stuff they're doing uh, i saw i saw a I picture know, of looking at it as well Bev, you know we were talking about how back in the day like tattoos were something that was practiced by societies even way before modern society, right? So when the Japanese Yakuza or, or I, you know, when I was doing a bit of a Google around this, even some of the tribes, right? So tribes in New Zealand, the Maori tribes, or even Hawaii, uh, they also use tattoos as a way to either, uh, you know, protect themselves from spirits or to display like features of their identity, right? Whether it's like their rank and, and society or in their gang or whatever. Uh, but it sounds like that's evolved to right now it's really more of an artistic expression there was a point in between where it was really about gang symbols but but now in singapore it sounds like most of it is around expression I, i'm hearing like memorializing certain elements of your life right like for example if you want to remember certain things you put it on your body as a, as a way to honor it as well you're right it's like very personal now it's nothing to do with like being linked to another person in some cases i do get the the couple tattoo thing which i try to avoid <laughs> because you know anything can happen you know y'all get divorced or whatever i don't say but <laughs> yeah like oh but i do like doing like um, mother daughter tattoos or like like mother and like offspring tattoos <laughs> because i think that's like a nice show of like reminder of their relationship so those are the more wholesome requests i get my demographic is uh women mostly like maybe 90 percent of my my clientele are women and like all around their mid-twenties. And they're, they're all just sort of getting it as like self-expression because they're in this place in their life where they're like starting out their jobs and everything's very stressful. They just graduated, they don't know what to do with their lives. And like Singapore can be quite a stressful city. 
So like they usually get it in places that they can hide so they can still maintain like a, like maybe an office job or something. I feel like I'm doing something for them that helps them like ease like maybe some anxiety in them. Yeah, that's main. That's the main reason I think why people get tattoos. Yeah, we were talking about this before recording, right? That uh, you were sharing that being a tattoo artist is almost like being a therapist, because the market rate out there for getting a tattoo is around a hundred dollars an hour on average. Like it can be below or higher depending on the specific tattoo artist. Elliot, you were joking that it's cheaper than going to a therapist directly. I've been to therapy and I think I'd rather get a tattoo at this rate, honestly. In in fact, I mean, now that you mentioned, you know, this whole idea of like uh, anxiety and sometimes as a form of expression, I kind of want to flip the coin and how has it been to deal with, I guess, like the stigma of of tattoos? Was it it very difficult for you to, I don't know, maybe tell your parents that you were going to be a tattoo artist or that you were going to get tattoos? I know like my parents flipped when I got my first tattoo. In fact, like the story that I have was that my, my mom... I called my mom before I got my tattoo. I was in Australia uh, on holiday. I said, mom, I'm going to get a tattoo. And she laughed. She's like, ha, ha, ha. Sure, sure, sure. You know, she didn't think I was going to get it. And then I came back from the holiday. I was like, mom, check it out. I wrote I wrote these words that you always tell to me. You always tell me, right? It says, everything grows with love. And she was like, oh my God, why did you do that? You know, that was, that was my experience. Now they've learned to accept it or maybe they gave up, but... Uh, how about yourself? Like, what was what's the experience with any sort of like stigmatization? I think within my own family, I've been quite like I'm quite lucky. Like, my parents are also very artistic people, so uh, I didn't exactly tell them when I wanted to get my first tattoo because I just assumed it would be okay. Because they've always been quite liberal when it comes to me and my sister like pursuing like an artistic career. When I got my first tattoo, I actually didn't tell her. I got two at one go <laughs> and wow. I, I was, yeah. And I, it was on my ribs. So like she wouldn't see it anyway. And like the day she found out about it, I was like in the hospital and like, I had to like change to uh, the gown and she, I didn't know she was in the room with me. And then she was like, what's that? <laughs> and she saw my tattoos and I was just like, Oh no, you can't, you can't scold me. I'm sick. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah. So that's how she found out. And like, I think she had, like I saw her face, she was like momentarily very angry about it. Like I just, cause I'm, we, I grew up in a Christian family. So she was like, oh my God, you tainted your temple, like your body f- from God. And I was just like, uh, yeah, but it, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So she kind of got over it really quick, but maybe cause I was in the hospital. So like, my parents are quite okay with it. Like I've, I, I think I have like a full sleeve now and like one arm. I didn't really have to ease them into it, especially the career part when I told them I, I wanted to do it. My mom was just concerned about finances. So she wanted to know that I'll be okay. And I just sort of like pushed and like convinced her it's going to be okay. Obviously you've made a full career out of it. So when we did the cocktail episode, for example, we were asking the bartenders, right? Like actually, what does it look like for you to, to have a career in the industry? And they were saying like, oh, like you could start off as a bar bag and then eventually become like a bar owner or a brand ambassador. In the tattoo industry, what does that look like? I think there's mostly just like two levels. You start off being the apprentice and then eventually you become a resident artist of the studio. And I guess if you want to like push longer, like uh, further into your career, you can be a studio owner eventually, and, like, do your own thing, entrepreneur. Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> the artists internationally are also pretty much like they just make a name for themselves, right? And then they might be attached to a studio. But by and large, they've built a personal branding as opposed to just like a studio branding. With the social media generation and all the artists that started together, 
with the rise of Instagram. That's what changed in the industry the most. Like, um, it's all about the individual branding rather than the studio. I think maybe like 10 years ago, it was like people just wanted to go to a studio that was known. They don't really care who did it, just anybody in the studio. So they would seek out the studio as opposed to the individual. But now it's all very individual. Okay, cool. So, you know, kind of taking it back all the way to, I guess, modern day Singapore and the level of acceptance that we kind of talked about. Uh, I found a few interesting events, right, uh, that tattoos have, play- have played in uh, current day society. One of them I've actually been to is the Singapore Ink Show. It's it's very recent. Uh, when I say recent, I mean the last five years. The first one uh, being in 2017. Uh, the, ink, the Singapore Ink Show is described as the largest gathering of international and local tattoo artists in Singapore. It ran for about three years, I think. So 2017, 2018, 2019. And then last year, obviously, uh, you know, COVID and stuff, so no conventions whatsoever. But it boasted in 2019 172 artists who came down for about three days. Uh, and I think it's insane. They actually had prime location space. It was at uh, the Suntech Convention Center. So out there in the public for a lot of like foot traffic, passerbys. In fact, the, the how I found out about it the first year was... I was walking and there was actually a flea market bazaars next to it and my ex-girlfriend at that point in time was like, I want to go and you know buy some dresses. I said, cool. And I saw the, the expo next, like the ink show next door. I was like, I want to get something there. Obviously, I couldn't because you know you have to book these guys way in advance, but it's really, really cool. You know, It's not just a show where people can get tattooed by some of their favorite artists and internationally inviting them over is like probably a very big deal, right? You'd have to pay for your ticket to fly. But there's even a competitive element for these artists. I was actually pretty astounded by the number of categories and even the pieces that were submitted. Over three days, they had... Oh, it's a whole, it's a whole done list. There's like popular vote stuff. There are categories for them, such as like best in big piece and specifically in like, you know, black and gray or in color. There's uh, different body parts, so like best in leg or arm sleeve. Yeah, just all these like insane categories and there's so many entries. Uh, Beth, have you ever been to the Singapore Ink Show? I- I'm sure you must have, right? I have. But uh, only for the last one that they they did. But I've never gone representing a studio. I I've only visited. I went with my studio, but we didn't have a booth that year. It's like a big social event. Like especially when I when you're like new in the industry, you just wanna like put like faces to the names because we actually don't know what a lot of people look like because the Instagram is mainly just showcasing their just the yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, it's always very like nice to see them in real life you're like oh my god he's so young she's so young he's so old <laughs> yeah so <laughs> the, yeah but the my first experience there was like yeah super fun like just like you I've never been surrounded by like so many creative people in the same industry and they're like all sorts, they're all like crazy. The tattoo events in Singapore organized by uh, Gimme Love Tattoo. Yeah, he owns Electric Sin. Uh, he's been around, like he's the godfather of tattoo. <laughs> this is the only one I could find, but uh, do you find any other or do you know of any other sort of like, events for uh, tattoos? There's one other event, which I think is going to take over the ink show. It's called Culture Cartel. And it's a much broader like creative atmosphere. It's not just tattoos, like tattoos get one floor. But the rest of the space is for like local brands, fashion, food, just like local um, brands. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, like toys as well, like figurines and all. Michael Jackson is one of the main people there. They didn't really get much international artists the year they did it, which was like last year, I think. This integration and normalization, this doesn't have to be its own standalone thing, but hey, you know, we are a arts, arts or convention. So all sorts of art, whether fringe or otherwise, uh, in fact, it doesn't even make it fringe anymore. Once you start, uh, you know, just integrating it into everyday pop culture, that's like fashion true, scene. Yeah. yeah, it must be like less intimidating to walk into a convention that's not just for tattoos. It's like for other, you can be there for other reasons. Yeah. The other side of getting tattoos is, of course, tattoo removal, right? And it's quite interesting how there's a whole industry uh, also around tattoo removal. Um, based on some of the research I saw online, there are a couple of ways to do it, including cover-up tattoos, there are tattoo removal surgeries, there's a tattoo fading cream. In fact, the Yellow Ribbon Project in 2009 started a two-year tattoo removal program costing a million dollars to help inmates renounce their gang memberships, which were often signified by elaborate gang-related tattoos. Uh, and this was to facilitate their reintegration into society as law-abiding and gainfully employed citizens. As a, you know, just as a quote, one of the inmates who received treatment said, many of us wanted to stay clean of gangs. However, we are easily identified by gangs because of our common tattoos. <laughs> Removing our gang tattoos is more than just a symbolic act. It gives us a chance at a clean slate for life. So, uh, you know, based on the latest report, a total of 39 inmates had undergone the program with 50 more waiting to have their tattoos removed and start their life afresh. So I, I find this concept of, of tattoo removals very interesting because as much as we want to think that tattoos are this, you know, major personal expression or even a, a way to to incorporate art onto the body, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to remove it as well, right? So, for example, if there's a breakup, uh, if there's something that changes the meaning of that tattoo to you, uh, or even as simple as, you know, unfortunately, stigma, right? Like you professionally, some places don't allow you to, to have a job in that place if you have a tattoo. And if you want that job, Sometimes you just have to remove that tattoo. So I'm curious, you know, Bev, like what has been that experience for you? My clientele is mostly that first category. Like think the meanings changed or like they want to get rid of like their ex's names or something. I haven't actually removed any, not removed, but cover up any sort of gang tattoos. And tattoo removal in Singapore, like uh, it's mostly lasering. And lasering is like uh, only one tattoo studio I know does it. The rest, you have to kind of go through uh, Singapore Skin Center, which is like a, like a dermatologist appointment already, and it's very expensive. So most people usually do the, the cover-up tattoo option instead. You know, we, we kind of mentioned places like Korea and Japan, and even though they have very famous tattoo artists that I know of, uh, but I still think they're quite strict, right, about their tattoo culture. It, it still com- comes under quite tight scrutiny. I, I watched this Vice documentary where in Korea, a lot of uh, tattoo artists, even the big names, have to work underground because uh, at some level, it's still illegal, I think. And it, even in Japan, like, you know, it still links very closely to secret societies and whatnot. But on the other hand, you know, we have places like the US where by and large, tattoos are just like, you know, it is what it is. Like. It's just another form of self-expression. Where do you guys think Singapore sits on this spectrum of like super intolerant to super accepting? We are smack in the middle of like Japan and Korea and the US. We were like a good half and half. And I'm hoping that it would progress towards the Western side because there are a lot 
Yeah, it's a lot more positive and uh, more. Like more the body positivity is very high, love. There are people within the public service in Singapore who have tattoos, and it's a bit more normalized. I think the only thing is when you go for meetings or any kind of client-facing stuff. Depending on the context, they may be a bit more conscious of your tattoos, right? So they may ask you to to at least wear a sleeve or something like that. But I will say that I think while the hope for sure is to be a more accepting and inclusive society, I think the nuance here is that at least within some of these places, Singapore, Japan, and Korea, the prevalence of gangs still exists, right? And the association of gangs with tattoos unfortunately still exists. So while it's a diminished part of the tattoo community, it's still there. And, and I think there is still a fear that, you know, actually, are you a gang member, right? So until we can, it's almost like chicken and egg. Like, do we eradicate gangs in order to be able to finally be more inclusive for tattoos? Or do we need to be more inclusive of tattoos? And then gangs will start realizing that it's not actually a unique uh, identifying feature anymore. I, I struggle with this, but I can understand why the tension exists. And I agree with Bev, like, Thankfully, Singapore has been trying to be a global city, right? Uh, and and as a result of that, we have both Western and Asian influences. The Western influences is, of course, the more body positive kind of attitude. And then the Asian influences, uh, you know, I guess from a more conservative angle about, like, don't, don't risk being associated with gangs or criminal elements. So that, you know, that's what we get over here. What are your wish lists for the tattoo culture in Singapore? Now, uh, tattooing, getting a tattoo and making an appointment is so mainstream and like, people don't think much about it anymore. They kind of forget how difficult the job is sometimes. They just think it's like um, any other sort of illustrative work, but you're actually dealing with like needles and like blood and like people's, like working on people's skin. So it's like a, I think people forget how like, serious the decision is to make to get a tattoo nowadays so uh, i just like want to like remind people that if like they are thinking about getting a tattoo just to like approach the the artist of the studio like with a bit more respect because now it's very casual like they dm you on instagram and say hey how much you know and like we don't really appreciate that like we're all like you we're artists and like you require our service but so It'd be nice if you could, like, you know, craft, like, a proper inquiry to us. And, like, yeah, I see that happening less and less now because it's so casual. And I just want to, like, reiterate that, like, you know, we're all, like, this is our... Most artists I know, this is our full-time gig. Like, this is our career and our job. But people don't see that. They think it's, like, a hobby or, like, a side thing that we do sometimes for fun. But, no, this is, like, our income. What I'm hearing is that there is a formalization of this sort of like culture like what does it mean right to have an industry that is in uh, not just art but in tattoo art in general right like how can we make it so that we see people as artists and us as patron of the arts I think that would be a pretty cool angle I really do hope uh, two, well two things number one I hope I can get my full sleeve by end of the year so go me and uh, <laughs> number two I actually think that 
uh, the attention to art, I think, is important. It's not just in tattoo, in tattoo work, uh, not just in the culture, but the way in which we view art holistically in Singapore. You know, we've we've had many episodes where we've talked to uh, other artists, people who do poetry, for example. You can check out our our literature in Singapore episode as well, um, which kind of sits on the on the skirts. And while it's garnering more mainstream attention, I think there isn't support in the, in that whole like you know a Singaporean pride that wave of of energy and, and this media spotlight that we uh, afford to a lot of other things here so I hope not just in the mainstream that it's accepted you know uh, silently accepted but also with the acknowledgement and the artistry that these guys put in I'm sure is no less uh, than any other uh, hard working you know the meritocratic idea of putting the effort and let's see if something comes out of it with that being said thank you so much Beth for joining us for this uh, episode of SG Explain it was just an absolute pleasure talking to you thanks for sharing Thanks yeah, thanks for, for sharing your story. This is our last content episode for the season. As always, we'll be doing a review episode uh, just to have a closure uh, and to be able to talk about what we enjoyed about the past season, some of our ideas for next season. Elliot, I'm looking forward to, to that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good conversation and then we'll take a good break. Thank you all so much. Slide into our DMs, guys, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye.